Hello and welcome to Furloughed, defining moments worth talking about. I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and with me is Steve Otterstrom. Steve, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, enjoyed a nice holiday weekend. Um, and yourself? Doing well. Yeah, we are recording this immediately after Easter. And so we had some wonderful, beautiful spring weather and plenty of pollen in the air, but I survived the pollen and the weekend. Had a good time. <laughs> Well, you know, Leonard, I'm actually just a little bit jealous of you um, from this last weekend because my kids are all, well, my oldest is 20 years old. My goodness, I can't believe that. Uh, and then my, my daughter's 17 and my, my youngest is 15. But none of them get excited about, you know, people dressing up as bunnies or looking for Easter eggs anymore. But you have grandkids. I do, yes. And How I is not, that? I did not dress up as a bunny, just disclaimer there. <laughs> However, we we did we did uh, hide the eggs in the yard and and uh, got to got yeah, two two grandchildren, eight and two. And so one needs a lot more help than the other, but it, it worked out real well. They both came back with the same number of eggs amazingly enough. Oh wow. So, well did yeah. did one help out? Because you know that's kind of I remember no, having those conversations. No. It's like <laughs> Easter starts with greed and ends with sharing. <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Uh, the little one is two, so she doesn't quite understand sharing. Uh, the older one is eight and hasn't had to share for about six years. So, yeah, oh, no. And he didn't it snarf pretty, up all the eggs. It was pretty much all American, <laughs> every man for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, I am just super excited uh, to share with you all who we have as our guest today. Um, her name is Kimri Teft. And for those of you who um, are listening to this and you listen to this because we uh, formed a friendship back when I uh, used to work on site at a couple of hotels uh, and you feel like obligated to listen, <laughs> today is going to be an opportunity even for all of you to uh, meet again with an old friend, Kimri. Um, who used to come out and do a lot of um, consulting and training at the properties I worked at. And I know that she did it at a number of different properties as well. This is someone who's uh, really made a difference um, in the way that it, I looked at uh, learning and facilitating, a difference in the way uh, at the properties I, I worked at that we looked at success as well. Um, so without any further ado, Kimri, um, welcome. Happy to have you with us. Good morning. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. And how was your Easter as well? <laughs> I don't it, want you to feel like you can't share. You know, Leonard <laughs> and I got to talk about ours. And <laughs> Thank you so much. This is already setting the tone for the conversation, isn't it? Um, you're an includer. Uh, I had a great weekend, got to visit with my mom, and took my nephew with uh, myself and my son. So we did a lot of driving. Uh, this Easter weekend, but it was such rich, rewarding time with with family. So I'm I'm really super grateful for it. It was quick; it went by fast, but I'm um, well worth it. Well worth the trip. Nice. And I I find now you so your son went with you then on on the road trip. Yes, yes, sir. He he'll be 15 in a month, and then my nephew's 14. So yeah. that was an adventure. Aren't, aren't road trips a, a gift <laughs> at that age? Because I don't know of any other way to get my 15 year old to talk to me than to stick him in a car, strap him down, and make him listen as we drive, however many. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, you eventually break him down, and they start talking too. <laughs> they do. And, and about an hour in, I was wishing that they would stop talking. So it was a six hour drive and suddenly their phones and technology, you know, wasn't keeping them occupied. So they wanted to wrestle and, um, 
I don't know, they decided to start a band using, you know, things in the car. It, it, it was a train wreck. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I try to say, oh yeah, they're love bugs, but no, that's just not true. You're like, I, I generally wouldn't endorse drinking and driving, but in this circumstance, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like it might be necessary. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> to maintain the, um, some sanity. Sanity, as yes. As you go into it. Well, you know, um, we st- and I know we talked a little bit about this earlier, but we started this podcast uh, when when Leonard and I um, discovered that we were <laughs> temporarily losing our jobs and then permanently on my end. Um, and uh, you know, we we had been talking about doing a um, a podcast for just a just a long time, but we never got around to doing it until all of a sudden our schedules became open <laughs> one day to the next, and. Um, and we, we, we decided to call it furloughed because it was kind of um, sometimes life, sometimes life just happens to you and, mm-hmm. and it is what makes those defining moments for you. And I know you've had so many defining moments. Uh, you shared a lot of those defining moments years ago when I used to sit in the classroom and, and, and watch you facilitate, you know, I remember you talking about uh, starting out. I think is a dishwasher or mm-hmm. one of your early mm-hmm. jobs and, and being, $6 an hour. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and deciding that you were going to be the best dishwasher that ever, you know, um, mm-hmm. that ever washed a dish. And, and I understand right. your plates are still very clean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only when I load the dishwasher, not when my son does, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't necessarily pass it on, but, um, and then I know that this last year has produced many defining moments. So, oh. you know, maybe I'll kind of let you decide where would you like to get started with this and telling us about the defining moments that have happened for you. Is it still back at that dishwasher or is it we got a new one that you want to talk about? Oh, goodness. I've, well, number one, thank you. It's a tremendous honor when someone remembers something that I say from what feels like 100 years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago that we were together uh, working in Tahoe. And so thank you for that. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, gosh, where do I begin? They say that, you know, um, adversity builds character, right? And I, I often have said over this past year that I am drowning in character. Surely, <laughs> surely it's enough. Um, <laughs> but well, I think yes. this year has brought characters out as well. Just throwing that well, out. True. <laughs> Very true. Very true. It, it, there are, it seems like there are a lot more people figuring out what their character is and showing up strong <laughs> in that there space. Right. Um, but so to, you know, to Stephen's point, I, I spent 20 years in the corporate um, environment and I did do most every job involved in hotels and resorts. And, and I love that, you know, I, I just didn't feel like I could support people as well um, as I possibly could, unless I had actually done the jobs, you know, that they were doing. And that, that has been a thread of truth throughout the last 30 years that I've, I've worked. Um, but so after that 20 years and, and Stephen, I can't believe it, but it's been almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years this year that I started my own company, uh, True Team. And I really did that. That was a huge pivot for me because I never had intended to be a business owner. I'm not that entrepreneurial type spirited person. Um, I like working for somebody else. I like other people's money to be at risk. <laughs> you know, I just want to show up and work really hard. And I love I love to work. You know, I love to work and um, I believe work and fun 
should not be mutually exclusive. And I've made, you know, an incredible three decades of, of I've never been bored. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've, I really have had a, a wonderful run at it professionally. Um, but I wanted to do True Team because I really love working with the people that are closest to customers and business, you know, and um, I love getting results. And throughout my corporate experience, I just had the opportunity to work in all different kinds of markets, all different types of demographics, you know, diverse employee base, diverse customer base. And I like helping teams win. And that's all I wanted to do. I just I wanted to spend 100 percent of my work time helping teams achieve what they need to achieve. And so that's what I've been doing. Well, you know, it's interesting because one of my first memories in, in seeing you work and I found just really interesting because not many consultants can do this, but. Um, I, I do remember, uh, speaking with someone from the restaurant and, um, (laughs) and, and how, you know, impressed they were and how they were going to work on things in a different way. And this is after they'd gone through the training. Mm -hmm. And then I, I remember the next time, um, I saw you was actually in, in Orlando and we were with, you know, the, the top brass and, and how there was the same, like you had a way of connecting the person that, you know, I, I hate to say the top people and the bottom mm-hmm. people because it's yeah. really a wrong way of looking at things if you want to sure. be successful, you know, but, yes, yes. but the people with the, the, um, the higher leadership titles and the people with, with uh, no leadership title and, mm-hmm. and who are really on the front yeah. lines of it, uh, of it all. And, and, and there was kind of like just a common um, language that you were able to, to bring to everyone. And, and, mm-hmm. and I guess now that, um, that I have the opportunity to ask you, <laughs> how do you do that? How, how do you, you know, you talk about building a team and, and building teams um, back then, you know, in, in many ways you were kind of the translator between mm. all different aspects of the organization. Wow. And how could somebody, how could somebody mimic that maybe, you know? Yeah. Wow. That That's a great, what a good word translator between the people that have authority and perhaps a higher level of strategic responsibility mm-hmm. from the groups of people that are, you know, tactically executing. Um, I, I would say it's, it's very simple because to me, every person adds tremendous value. You know, I, I often said that, you know, you could take a, a general manager out of a business for six months and the business would still run. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you take all the dishwashers out of the restaurant, <laughs> you're going to have a problem. Um, so I just believe that, you know, everybody puts on their clothes in the morning and goes off to a job. And I believe the majority of people want to make a difference and they want to go to work and, and know that, Hey, there's a problem here and I'm going to solve it today. And so whether you are you know, leading people or at the top, uh, you know, brass with, um, you know, setting direction and vision and holding people accountable, or you're going in to, to really, you know, take your marching orders and, and deliver that, that work to the best of your ability, we're, we're all, we're all equal. We're all contributing. We're all necessary. Um, I've just always felt that way. So the way I talk to the person that owns the company is very similar, if not the exact same as I talk to the person that is, you know, the newest employee that'll be on the front line. It's a little difficult sometimes to remember that, that, you know, everyone is still people, <laughs> you know, especially yeah, when, yeah. you know, that's, it's not the world we live in, in a lot of ways, you know, there are so right. many, um, you know, distinctions between 
you know, one individual and another. I, I remember you, you and, and there was a, another consultant that would come out, um, uh, <laughs> Teresa, I think was her name. And, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Teresa Help. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But both of you were kind of like the, the, um, <laughs> the uh, hopefully this comes across well, but like <laughs> the crazy aunt that's coming to visit. And it's like, <laughs> like, hey, they're coming and things are going to get better. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're, they're gonna they're gonna talk to mom and they're gonna tell her to stop being like this. And mom's like, finally, I've got the aunt that's gonna come and talk to the kids and tell them to give me a little respect. Oh my gosh! And the, the crazy so thing is, it is it worked. It really did work. Wow. I mean, not necessarily for forever because yeah. you know that's just the, the nature of things. But, yeah. you know, there, there was an element, I think, of just true empathy and heart in it. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe maybe if you could speak to that a little bit, like how do how do you develop sure. that out, you know, um, in, in trying? How do, I mean, I don't think Leonard's going to become the crazy aunt, but no, no, not anytime soon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I love I'm happy to be the crazy aunt. And, um, you know, I, I have always uh, had a real passion for just energy, you know, and taking responsibility for the energy that I bring into a room. And there, there's so much power in having an outsider come in. That really is the, the magic is simple. Like if you, if it's wizard Oz, pull back the curtain, you know, there are two things that I think of that were most important. Um, one of them is that I was a neutral party. I don't have any authority over anyone. I'm, I'm not coming to fire people. I'm not coming to, you know, hold your accountable, write anybody up. I'm, I'm literally coming with the with one clear intention and that is to help you have a better quality of life at work at home, just in any way, if I can contribute positively to an individual or to a team that that's my mission. It's, it's why I'm there. So um, I think that intentionality comes through in what I do. Um, and nobody's afraid of me. That's my superpower. Nobody's scared of me. They, I'm the crazy aunt, but guess what? I'm going to leave and um, you don't have to live with me. But when I come I really care. And I just, I just think that, you know, I can teach people how to facilitate, but I can't teach them how to care. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I, for me, that makes the difference. But, you know, when I was in charge of teams, if I felt that we had reached a plateau of performance or we were stuck in some way, I always phoned a friend. Uh, funny you brought up Teresa Help because she's certainly one that I called on several times, um, especially the higher that I go in the organization. She owns a company called Strategize at Consulting. And, um, it's just beast mode with high level strategic issues and resolving them. And so I would call her and say, Hey, come in just so I could be a participant, you know, Mm -hmm. take the, take the titles away. I don't want to be the boss. I just really want to show visually my team that I don't think I'm any more important than one of them. And for me, that worked. That's what helped me get, you know, results all my life. Yeah, I think so often times, Kimberly, we, I think you're, you're kind of hitting on, uh, I'm just going to echo what you said and say the different Please. word, I guess, as sure. I'm talking here, but it really just having an outside person, outside mm-hmm. perspective, yeah. uh, even I, I know just as a parent with children when they were younger, especially if they're adults now, obviously, since I have grandkids, but just mm-hmm. having someone come in and kind of stand alongside you and be an encouragement to, in this case, I'm talking family, but the same is true in the work world, you know, be an encouragement to the team and mm-hmm. maybe affirm some of those things that you have already said. Mm-hmm. But to your point, the beauty is, is, yeah, you, you've got 
some skin in the game, but not near as much as what mm -hmm. the parent does. And so maybe right. that's easier for the team or the children, if it's a family yes. situation, <laughs> to kind of hear something that has maybe already been said, but they hear it a little differently. Yes, yes. And, and I also think there's a tremendous um, need for what we what we do, what facilitators do. Um, there again, I think that a lot of leaders won't want to open the curtain to all their dirty laundry so that, you know, they just don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there are also consultants that are out there that that go in and it's easy to judge. It's easy to just look and be a reporter and say, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. You know, for me, because I had worked on teams for so long myself, I know there's always so much more to the story. And I never wanted to come in and just report out and tell them what they already know. I want to really help them verbalize and get me as uh, informed as possible about what their, what their situation is today. And then I get to be, you know, creative and thinking of solutions and designing things just specifically for them. Every team is to me is as unique as a fingerprint. And so there isn't an off the shelf thing that fits everybody there. You know, there are a lot of books, there are a lot of speakers, there are a lot of things out there that say, hey, do it this way and you'll win. In my experience, I have found that the, the recipe for lasting success, for lasting behavioral change, for just lasting high performance, it's it's very it's unique. It's different with every every team. Yeah, that, I, I love that. Every team is like a fingerprint. I'm, I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And, and I have a real passion for that because I, you know, I think that every, what makes teams unique can make the team extraordinary. And yeah. a lot of times they just, they don't see that themselves, but I do. Yeah. Oh, I think that's powerful because uh, and like you say, we're so formulaic and maybe mm. that's just an American thing, but I think it's probably mm. bigger than just our culture. Uh, yeah. but we, you know, one, two, three, ABC, do this and you'll succeed. <laughs> and we want to drink that Kool-Aid. We want to believe it to be true. And then yes. you find out, Hey, this is not working for us. Why? Well, because you're not the person that wrote the book, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, I, I, uh, my, my father worked for the automobile company. And so yeah. I, I remember back in the day when everybody was doing theory Z because that's what they were doing in Japan. Yes. Well, guess what? Right. American culture is a little different than Japan. And so why so would you true. think one company culture is going to be the same or one team culture? It's going to be the same when you move from team to team. So, so true. So true. Now, I found, too, uh, it, as far as kind of talking about consulting, I wanted to hit on this with you. Mm -hmm. uh, in the consulting work that I do in my job, oftentimes I really find myself in a position as just being a mediator, kind of back to what yes. we were talking there. And, yep. I mean, I literally have had times where I've been either in the on the phone or in the room with two people and turn face one, listen to them, and then turn to the other and say, what they just said was <laughs> <laughs> this back and forth, like I was literally translating, you know, yeah. these point of. So do, do you yeah. find that tends to be a case? And maybe, maybe that's that neutral party thing that the benefit there, what, uh, you want to reflect on that a little bit with me? Without a doubt. I, I think conversational competence is the one skill. If I could say, Hey, let's just teach a class on something. It would be that. Um, 
I, you know, it sounds like what you were doing is a lot of what I do too, which is providing the rest of the dialogue skills. You know, people come in and just saying what's on your mind, that's not communication. You know, by definition, it's, it's two way. There's, you know, there's healthy dialogue, um, but a lot of people live in the, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, it's, it really is debate instead of dialogue. And, um, you know, you being able to repeat back and do the validation, the affirmation, the clarification for them, because neither or both of them, you know, don't don't know how to do that for themselves. I, I think people feeling heard is a rarity. And I think it's the greatest gift and blessing you could give to anyone. And by slowing the conversation down by saying, okay, take a breath. Let, let's make sure that the party that you're intending the message for actually heard what you intended, not just the words you said, but they actually got the point. They got the message because I mean, honestly, there are so many conversations happening right now where even the responses to, you know, one person's talking to another and the listener then responds with something that isn't even relevant to what the initiating statement was. Mm. Um, you know, they just have so much in their head that they want to get out. And um, again, I just, I think that genuine listening, you know, the other half of communication. Um, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a big need to me. It's, it's a huge, huge need in our, in our world right now. Well, and I'm, I'm curious as you talk about our world right now, <laughs> what a shift maybe just a little bit, because I feel like a lot of these things might have gone through some, some big changes <laughs> over the last year. Uh, not that, you know, the dynamic of a team or how we how we communicate, mm -hmm. but we have maybe a bigger challenge. Um, yeah. I, I think that um, and it depend, maybe depending on what industry you're in, either you were in an industry where you were overworked over the yes. last year and yep. you are are traumatized from that or you're yep. in an industry that you were, you know, like like hospitality where I was at there were, mm -hmm. where we were most of many of us were laid off or at least have yeah. a, had a temporary time um, or I imagine in in uh, I don't know what <laughs> what the year was like for you but um, mm -hmm. I'm sure that uh, either mm. you weren't going on site you weren't out <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> you know there were some changes happening there and and uh, how are we going to navigate this? going into 2021 i mean what are, what are some things that maybe maybe we should be looking at as we try and build our broken teams mm. oh what a big question that may be the multi-million dollar question I, I there are a whole lot of people in the world right now that i'd love to hear that answer um so i appreciate you asking and i'll i'll give it a stab for me and i can only speak for me personally the past year um uh, you know, life always happens. There's always something happening. You know, the, the, I, I shared with a team that I was talking to early on in the pandemic that, you know, the five years of their of your life as an individual prior to the pandemic could have been hell, right? It could have been a, a worse reality, even than a global virus. Uh, life is hard. Um, it, it's just hard. So the pandemic did something. What I think that was unique about the pandemic was that for the first time, you know, in, in my life, usually one or the other personal or professional would go down the toilet. Mm -hmm. Like if, if, if something yeah. was bad happening at work, <laughs> I love to go home. I love my friends, mm -hmm. my family, you know, I, there was a reprieve from that and then I could refuel and then get up and go to work the next day. Mm -hmm. uh, more so in my situation, I had more personal things that happened 
in my life. And my job for the better part of the last 30 years was my escape to be able to go and serve other people. I mean, it was my strategy to stay out of depression. Depression runs in my family. Um, you know, my, me helping others was my way, you know, through a lot of things that were, you know, what I would consider devastating. And this year for, I mean, almost without exception, you know, who wasn't touched by this? There certainly are businesses that have thrived. There are businesses that have been started. I mean, the mask industry is booming. I mean, now it's a accessory. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but like you said, I think for, for the first time, so many of us, everything got thrown into a blender. Work mm-hmm. went to crap. Uh, there are people, um, you know, that were have been stuck at home and mm-hmm. abusive relationships or, you know, tension-filled mm-hmm. homes. Um no money, you know, finances being um, impacted. I mean, the stress of all of it, it's been so intense for so many people. Uh, I, I think now, you know, that just, that does something to people, you know, it's, it's trauma. It, mm-hmm. it, it is trauma. Um, but I, again, I think keeping a healthy perspective is really important. Um, at least that's, that's been my strategy, staying grateful for, you know, the reality that I do have versus, you know, to me, things could always be worse. And, uh, and, and I say that just because I could look back on times in my life where I thought I couldn't survive something and I did. So, you know, that self-coaching has been really the way of the world for me this last year and a half. And it became my daily, I was self-coaching more than I was eating, you know, (laughs) or drinking. I mean, I just, holy crap. And sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't. Drinking wasn't your self-coaching. Drinking. Well, that was in there. Yeah, Those, alcohol yeah. sales were up as well. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, the the revolt in my town when the liquor store was shut down. Like they, <laughs> people were more upset about that than they were, you know, the grocery store. Um, <laughs> here in this state, those are separate. You can't buy liquor at the grocery store. So when those shut down, I mean, it was devastating. Um, but again, keeping keeping healthy perspective and and really being grateful that. Uh, Again, it's hard to stay grateful when you feel like everything that, you know, you've worked for your whole life and is just gone. I mean, for me, Stephen, you you mentioned, you know, what was this year for? You're like, excuse me, for me. And just to share, last year, my birthday's on March 12th. And last year, 2019, the fourth quarter and going into 2020, it was going to be my year. I mean, I, when I say, you know, the, the years leading up to it, the, the three years prior to that, I'd gone through a divorce, um, had some just devastating uh, family things that had happened. And so I was on my swing up, you know, just had been through all of this heavy stuff and trying to keep a, a good face on and keep my business afloat. And uh, I'm a single mom and a company owner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it all just falls on me. Right. And that's a lot of pressure that I think a lot of people, you know, I've, I've shared that and people have shared with me in similar positions. It just was a lot of weight. And I was turning 50 last year. And so, I mean, we were, it was supposed to be this epic year and I had written the training that I thought was the greatest I'd ever done. I couldn't wait to go share it. My whole entire year was booked solid. And then literally the week of my birthday, you know, the virus hit and everything canceled. Every income, every income source that I had ended immediately. It was in one day, everything um, was gone that, you know, visiting people or getting hugs, you know, I never needed them more and couldn't get them. Um, So, you know, it was shock and awe. And, uh, 
uh, again, you try not to ask why, you know, why is this happening? Why would this happen? Um, and instead, I really tried to stay focused on what, you know, what is this teaching me? What am I supposed to be learning in this? What is this showing me about myself that I didn't already know? Um, I, I don't know. I'd love to know from the two of you, you know, has this been a time of just self-reflection? And I mean, I, I thought I was a pretty self-aware person. Uh, but this pandemic has certainly taught me that there was a, there's a lot more for me to learn about myself for better and for worse, for better, yeah. for worse and for ugly. There's definitely some more layers there than what first meets the eye, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Without question. Well, yes, sir. I want to probe a little bit deeper, Kimberly. You, you said about your back to your birthday. And so yeah. the, the Kimry stock market crashed, right? So yes, that was your Black Friday or whatever term we want. Absolutely. To use, you know. Yes, sir. So what, then were your next steps. I mean, I, I appreciate mm. certainly that self-coaching and all that big believer in the same thing. But mm. initially, I mean, we're talking yeah. source of income and just everything. Like said, the hugs, everything. <laughs> so how in those, if you can, if you're willing to, and sure. to back to that, how, how did you kind of survive some of those early moments? Because I think oftentimes those first steps of recovery are always the hardest, right? It's that yes. inertia or, or even just the shock of what's happened. So yes, yes. kind of, if as much as you can recall, kind of unpack sure. if you had any kind of significant first steps or even if they weren't significant, but you looking back now saw that they were helpful. Um, I, I will tell you the feelings I had, um, you know, I, I love people for a living. And so the first things that happened was an onslaught of phone calls from people that I've coached over the year. I mean, every team that I work with, everybody was hurting. So initially, I think the instant thing was I didn't, I, it's like I said, it was easier for me to focus on other people's problems and not my own. And so I think I dove into that first. And then I just remember just literally sitting down on the floor in my living room. And I just cried because the, I mean, people were just hurting so much and it was such a helpless feeling, you know, I can't do anything about it. Um, I, I work around a lot of high achievers and if nothing else, if there's any, even one person listening to your podcast that was a high achiever has always just seemed to pull something out. You know, you just go to the well and there's something left in there and you pull something out. That's a miracle. And you know, life goes on and you can keep the lights on. You keep the rent getting paid. You keep the car payment going, you know, whatever it is, there's always something that you seem to be able to pull things out. And I think it really was the first time that I remember in a long time, if ever, I don't think I ever felt like, Oh my gosh, like I, I don't see a solution. I, I don't see yeah. Oh, a way out of this. Everything that I've done for a living for the past 30 years became irrelevant and impossible to do the, the way I do things, how I do things, you know, for me being able to help people largely required me to be there in person with them. Like when people are going through difficult things that's, those are just conversations that to me, technology just cannot duplicate the way it feels when someone sits next to you and puts their arm on your, you know, around you or yeah. puts their hand on your shoulder, can hold your hand or just literally hold both of your hands and look people in the eyes and and say, I, I feel what you're saying and you're not alone in this. I mean, I the screen does not get that done. So <laughs> yeah. I was super I was super crushed. Um, 
I then, you know, once those calls diminished, then I think I went into, again, I, it's embarrassing to say because the shame and the self-judgment, um, high achievers do not handle <laughs> failure well. I don't know that anybody does, but certainly for me, I, you know, I'm the oldest child of three. I was the first grandchild. I was the first grand, you know, person in my family to go to college and get a degree. I mean, I just, I, I like to win. I'm not a competitive person, but I want to be better. I'm always striving to be better. And I think what I had done and the choices I had made in the years leading up to the pandemic, boy, I judged myself to death. You know, like I said, I, I was coming out of the loss of a marriage that was everything to me. And, you know, I had not made wise financial decisions. I mean, just relationships and finances were the two things that I felt like you know, they were the biggest helpers through the, you know, pandemic or, or the biggest hindrances, I think, you know, coming out of it on the side now, I think had I had a bunch of money in the bank and a cushion, I wouldn't yeah. have had that feeling of fear. So then I was blaming myself that I had not done that. You know, um, I, I mean, who's got enough money in the bank to live 18 months with no income? I, I don't, I love the people that do. I love you. Um, I'm not that guy. And <laughs> so that judgment, staying out of self-judgment, honestly, that was the most crippling thing for me, Leonard, yeah. too. That's a long answer to your question, but I, oh, that's good, though. That's yeah. Very, very good answer. And I think it's something we can all really, really identify with because, I mean, I almost anything, if somebody comes up and verbally were to attack me or to say mean things to me, mm -hmm. it may hurt. It may cause problems, you know, yeah, but sure. it, there's nothing like that self-judgment, you know, because that's oh. that voice that stays in your head after everyone's yeah. going to bed and you can't sleep <laughs> and it's still talking to you and it's saying, why, yes. why, why, <laughs> yes. why didn't you do this? <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's awful. But you know, the other, the good thing though, so you know me, I'm all, I always want to, um, put a positive spin on thing. I have been accused of living with rose colored glasses. And I think <laughs> if that's the way you are, then maybe you're faring better, you know, than others in this time. Um, but I had gone through a lot of therapy. I'm a huge proponent of therapy, of counseling, uh, medication, if you need it, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. I believe if there are things that can help you, you know, turn problems into speed bumps and not potholes, mm -hmm. um, you know, because, the, you know, life is still ongoing. And like I said, a lot of things happen and some things could be equally devastating as a pandemic to some people. So for me, that the virus was just another thing. It was just the next thing in this, you know, ongoing growth that we go through. Um, but through that therapy, I, you know, there was a real simple acronym. I, to Leonard's point earlier, some things about people and how they operate together and how they operate as individuals are very complex. And, um, you know, they're just not as simple and easy as one, two, three, follow these steps, one, two, three, ABC. But I do like to find things. If I can find anything that, that will simplify things, that's what I do. And the acronym RAIN was one early on that, that I used. And forgive me right now because I can't remember the original author's name of that. Um, but RAIN, it, in concept, the R stands for recognize. So if you go into that ruminating kind of, you know, your head is like the gerbil in the wheel and you're thinking so badly about yourself and your choices and everything that's happened to you. I mean, that all of that, it's, um, it's such a waste of energy, but in order to change it and stop it, you have to recognize it when it happens, you know, almost like fly above yourself and, you know, watch yourself as though you're a movie, get in a helicopter, whatever you need to do to say, huh, 
I, my, my mind is I'm ruminating. I'm not thinking about things productively. I'm having the same thought over and over and over again. I'm up all night. I can't sleep. I'm exhausted. And that just perpetuates and makes things so much worse. So if you can recognize it, that was the first step to doing something productive about it. And then the A is accept. Um, and this was the hardest letter for me, honestly. The A is not as much for me accepting what's happening, but it's accepting that I'm human and if I'm having a terrible reaction to it, if I'm laying around, if I'm sleeping more, I want to hide under a rock, stop telling myself that I shouldn't do that or that I should somehow be handling this better or I should be getting out of this space faster than I am. That's the self-judgment kind of talk that I hear in my head that I know better. You know, I've studied neuroscience. I've been teaching emotional intelligence for 15 years. You know, like <laughs> I understand managing your mindset and the power of that. What's the problem, Kim? Uh, you know, and then I felt like a fraud. Then you get the fraud syndrome, right? Um, you can't be teach. I don't teach what I don't know and what I haven't done myself. That's a cornerstone. So accepting that you're human and giving yourself some grace and saying, okay, if I need to take a day to lay on the couch, if I, if I make a drink and I'm drinking at home by myself for the first time ever in my life in 50 years, just do it. Just stop. <laughs> don't, you know what I mean? Just stop judging yourself. Just do it. The key is just don't stay stuck there, you know, but do give, allow yourself time to grieve. It's, it's no different than keeping the tears in when someone dies, you know, you've got to get it out. So allow yourself some grace. So accepting that you're human and that you're having a reaction to what's happening um, is the second step. And then I is investigate. So then once you've accepted it, you've recognized what happens, you become aware of the circumstances and then the reaction you're having to it, investigate it. Like really think about it. Like, really, am I a failure? You know, really were all those choices that I made that led me to this point, um, did I, was I doing the best that I could with what I had? Yes. Um, was I smarter in some moments than others? Yes. Um, do I expect myself to be perfect all the time? Um, no, because I recognize that I am so flawed and I'm not perfect. And if that really is true, then how am I judging myself against some standard of perfection? You know what I mean? Like really investigate your thinking, think about what you're thinking about and is it a story you're telling yourself and you're going down that pothole or, or is it really an objective look at what happened? Hey, this sucked. This happened. Shit happens. It's going to keep happening. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's not going to be a time where we have this all figured out. Who could have predicted this pandemic? Who would have who would know how to navigate it perfectly? None of us. So um, investigation is key. Also in the investigation part is what can I do about it? What's the first next step I can do? And listen, if you suffer from depression, if you get in that place where you're really just stuck and you cannot move, the simplest movement forward is all you need to worry about. I mean, again, what would keep me stuck is feeling like everything is overwhelming. I can't do anything for, for me and for the people that, that called me to kind of talk through what was happening with them. The first thing is to phone a friend. <laughs> I mean, I, if I can't do anything else besides just call someone who might care, um, that's a step forward in the right direction. Don't try, don't go it alone. This is not a, an, an individual sport. Life is not. I feel like we're wired for connection and someone is thinking better than me in those moments when I get, when I go down in that pothole and I need to find someone who is not stinking thinking like I am. So the investigation part is really about what can I do that's productive? And then the N is neutralize. Um, I think there's another N word, but for me, it was about 
okay, I've recognized it. I've accepted I'm human and accepted I'm reacting, embraced whatever I'm going through. Now I've investigated it and I understand what it is, what's happened. Um, and now thought about what I can do about it. And I start to take baby steps out of it. Then it just somehow it just dissolves. It, it just becomes less of a, of an impact on me, a negative impact on me than it was when it started. And it's almost like it just fades away, like in a little thought bubble. You know, I, I literally would picture a balloon or a bubble over my head and I just put that thing in there and just, just let it go. And I think, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to do the best I can from one minute to the next one second to the next. And, you know, it was the, oh, I should be all better. That would cripple me. You know, I, I just wasn't getting better fast enough for me. And that that's what I have to recognize when I start thinking like that. I, ha- I do rain, recognize what it is. Yep. It's after years and years of being independent and never wanting to depend on anybody, never wanting to ask for help. Um, I don't like being wrong. <laughs> you know, all the things, Stephen, that we've talked about in our trainings together, like what I what I preach is what I practice. So um, learning new skills to manage through times like this is key. And there are new skills to learn. You, you, you aren't born with them, I don't believe. Yeah, that's extremely powerful. Really? Is that helpful? I don't even know if that yeah. was helpful, but uh, no, no, no. Yeah. And and for anyone that's like, I forgot to take notes. It's recognize, <laughs> accept, investigate, and neutralize. Um, and I love the way that you walk through that because I mean, um, I, I kind of had this this image, and we always talk about like yeah. phoenix rising from the ashes, and yes. you know, and it's we always think of that bird as being more glamorous and glorious than it ever was before, but probably, I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's ever seen a phoenix rise from the ashes, but it's probably a little bit burnt. It's probably <laughs> some feathers are gone, are missing, or charred. Exactly. Probably smells really bad. It's probably a little traumatized by the whole thing, but yes, but, yes. but it's not ashes anymore. Like it's it's right. moved into right. the next best step. Yeah, um, yeah, and and yeah. sometimes that's not even a really great step. Right, it's just the next best thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I, I particularly found it helpful talking about the judgment part, you know, because it's true, mm-hmm. especially looking at it from the perspective that, um, I think we live in a culture that, that says my worth is, is measured by looking at what you're doing mm-hmm. and whether or not I'm measuring up to it. And, and yes, you know, for sure. You know, you, you look at things and, and we, we judge people sometimes for not making enough money or for not being mm-hmm. dependent enough. And you, you know, I think many of us found ourselves in that situation where I thought, you know, I, I got my mortgage based off of the concept that I would continue making about the same amount of money. The right, bank even right. believed that was going to happen. That's right. That's why they gave me the mortgage. But now, you know, many of us found ourselves and, and you know, life has changed a lot, I think, since then, found ourselves in a situation that that was not the reality anymore. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe not the reality for a long time to come. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, where, where do you feel you're at now? <laughs> is this, is this kind of the constant, you know, <laughs> struggle, um, has, has a glorious Phoenix emerged beautiful and glamorous and resplendent, resplendent, oh, charred, feathered, um, <laughs> burnt turkey, you know, yeah, yep, fried chicken. Yeah. Fried so, chicken. Yeah. Where, I, where, do you, where do you feel you're at right now? Uh, stronger than yesterday, stronger than last year, for sure. Um, and it, it really, 
I've really honed in on my core values. You know, there's that's one of the most powerful exercises also I think that people can do is uh, in um, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. She has this whole list of values and, and, you know, lots of people have done this, but part of, you know, my work on myself and development over the years was honing in on what my core values were. Um, and they're different for everybody, um, but you narrow them down to three because if you have more than three, they're just too many to remember. Um, and my three things were faith, love, and authenticity. Um, and so in, in the moments where I start to feel challenged, and again, I had to work through this all year this past year, but because I got the opportunity to practice it so much now, I mean, the, the lag time between a disappointment or something happening or not going the way that I thought it would, or like you said, not having the security that you've had before, you know, I just asked myself, am I thinking and are acting in faith right now or fear? Am I, you know, am I speaking and thinking in love or fear or love or, uh, jealousy or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, is this love or something else? And, you know, authenticity, am I, am I being me or am I trying to be something that I'm not or trying to be someone that I'm not? And if I found, if I just bring myself back to those three things, um, you know, it just keeps me solid. I think staying stable with who you are is the best that we can possibly do in times like this and showing up the way that we genuinely want to show up and not just being, you know, a puppet on the string of our emotions, you know, that, um, that's really, uh, important, important to me. And I've had good times and bad times in life. Amazing times. I've been a Phoenix rising out of the, whatever the, the ashes, you know, a lot. And I'm so grateful for those things and, and remembering that, Hey, what I'm going through now isn't as bad as X. Um, you know, it, it's funny thinking about talking to you guys today. I don't know ex- the exact date, but I think it was about a month into the pandemic last year. And I did something that I had never done ever before. And I actually posted a video on YouTube. I, I don't know what happened. I, I got up one morning and it was in between uh, the time of getting all the calls from everybody and every everyone else seemed to be going through all their hardships and recognize them sooner than I recognized my own. Mm-hmm. And so I'd gone to my office and for honestly, it might've been the last time I went to my office um, down the street and it was called never did I ever. Cause I kept thinking, God, never did I ever think this would happen. Mm-hmm. But there've been so many times in my life that I just never thought what happened would happen. And man, I watched that video for the first time this week. I hadn't, I really hadn't watched it since I recorded it a year ago and it is depressing. I mean, I did, I, I can't, <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, did I put this out into the world, into the public? Um, it's so humbling. And, um, but you know, what I felt compelled to say is that this was, this is a time for us to level up. Like every downtime was an opportunity to level up. And I don't think this time has been any differently. And quite honestly, I think this hit on some things, like you said, Leonard, the peeling back, there are more layers. You know, I don't want to peel back any more layers, but <laughs> right, life, you does. know what I mean? Yeah. You just don't want to, but Hey, shit happens. It just does. Um, and I think, I, you know, part of my faith is, you know, believing that there's a bigger plan at work and not questioning that. And so just being, again, being accepting that there's something in this that I'm supposed to go through um, for my own self-growth or to be able to help somebody else. Um, but again, I, I can't emphasize enough to not try to do it alone. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I think that's a powerful message, even because I know we're running out of time. I wish we could t- keep you for forever, but you know, <laughs> you. just just ending on that that concept of faith, love, and authenticity. And I I know everyone's got to pick their own values, mm-hmm. you know, their, yeah, sure. their core values to come back to. But um, I'd be hard pressed to think of of three more quality values. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think faith. You know, I. You know, Leonard and I, we talk about this all the time because I'm not really a person of faith, but mm-hmm. I'm a person that does believe in things. And I believe mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. And, and, and falling back to say, I do believe that there is good in the world. I do yeah. believe, you know, yeah. what, what are those? Because that is kind of your core currency right. uh, that you can come back to. And I, I think even so true. love is relationships, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, making sure yeah. that that we take the time for those relationships to nurture those back because it is the currency that matters um, Mm. in the end. And, and I think if you get the first two, I don't know how you're not authentic, (laughs) you know, but, but finding out who you are and being true to that unapologetically Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and putting your eunice in the world only benefits everyone around. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you very, very much for being with us today. And, and, and uh, let me just let me get, give you an opportunity to, to put in the last word before Leonard puts in the real last word where he thanks the sponsor and, and all that stuff. But anything you'd like to add or say before, before we close out for today? Well, I think I just would wish blessings beyond measure to everyone in your audience. You know, as a, as a facilitator at heart, I'm obsessed with audience experience. And I would just encourage you if, you know, if someone is listening and has really been struggling, um, there are a lot of it. We don't have to know you to care. I mean, there really are people in the world that want to listen and want to hear and, um, you know, just don't, don't sell yourself short. Just, you're important. You're a value too. And um, again, I, I just can't express enough that there are resources out here to help. And um, I think your podcast is amazing um, to talk about because so many people were hurting over this year. And uh, to move forward, I, I just feel like we're we're better together now more than ever. Yeah. Well, Kimberly, thank thank you for your kind words. Thank you for your your wisdom you've shared uh, throughout our session today our conversation today i really appreciate that awesome and encourage our audience as well yeah certainly by all means as kimry said reach out and you can reach us at furloughed mailbox at gmail.com furloughed mailbox at gmail.com if you want to share anything reach out have questions we can certainly uh, forward anything to kimry if you'd like we'll have her uh website address be team.com and we'll have that in the show notes, so make sure you check that out as well. And as Steve said, as always, we do have to give a little plug for our own sponsor, so we'll finish with that note. Um, so we are sponsored by UpwardsUnlimited.com. That's Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, UpwardsUnlimited.com. And Upwards Unlimited is a, organization, a company that helps your organization or your teams to move from culture to community and they do that by leveraging conversations connections collaboration and community so let's make the world a better place i guess i'll end on that note today love it love it (laughs) thanks everyone for joining us and we will talk to you on our next podcast bye-bye now